Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, Tony, would you do me a favor and would you, uh, would you put on uh, the first verse of How Great Thou Art for me? Usually this is the time where I would tell you, hey, open up your Bibles to such and such piece of scripture, but Oh, Lord, my God, when I, am awesome, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Was <laughs> then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. In today's terms, how great you are. Go back to that verse for me. How many worlds are you involved in right now? Not only just the world right now, the earth that God has created, and we see all the stars, but and we, live, we live in a society where we are, there's so many things that we can do. It's not what the song says, but I was just beginning to think about how when we come on a Sunday morning, there's 230 some of us involved in our own little worlds. And God is desiring to be in each and every one of them. Then the song continues on. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeurs and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. For some of you, it might be listening to geese fly around, hear the birds, or one of you for sure. Some of you might long for trees because we don't have many here. But whenever we get in a place where we see that we are so much smaller than God is, what does your soul say? And it goes on. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. Today's whole sermon starts at this point, really, is to realize that each and every one of us has to start with a brokenness, which is what the next song talked about. We all come this morning in whatever worlds we're in to this point to realize that this is the key right here. Did we die for me? That some odd years ago, God would know that at this very moment, I would sing this very song and for some reason start crying. That on the cross, my burden 
gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Usually we want to come to this point and say, well, it's that one little sin. No, he bled and died for you because you are sin. You are a sinful person. I am a sinful person. So he gladly bears the cross to go, I want to change you to be something else. And you have so many burdens that you don't even know where you're going. You're worried about, hey, how people will take the meeting afterwards. You'll, you're worried about how people see that uh, you're going to spend their money in the next year. You're going to worry about when people hear your next vision, what they're actually going to say. You're worried about what people think about how they've come to you and said that Brian has been guilting them in to foster care. And Jesus says, I don't want you to have that burden. I just want you to realize that I'm dying for you. And my soul doesn't scream how great thou art. My soul screams, how can I make everybody happy? Because that's what we do, don't we? We've gotten to the point where our burdens are so big, where we don't see where our sin is. We just see that we want to manage our sin so that we can make everybody happy. But instead, Jesus is saying, I'm gladly bearing them for you. I bled and died to take away sin, not to add more of a burden to you. We walk around with this chain going, will people see what's really going on in my heart? And we try to hide it instead of maybe going, I don't have to bear that burden anymore. Then it goes on to the very next thing, because we know that this is really what we're looking for. Because we know we're not perfect and we're never going to get to that place. But in the whole life as we followed God, this is the moment when Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. didn't dawn on me till the last verse that I was just standing there singing that song, really blasé. We have a worship band that chooses songs to lead us in to worship. It's not picked out of randomness. To some of us, it might look like that, but it is to do this, to change our hearts to go, how great is our God. So I hope out of today that we move on and say, God, my burdens are gladly bared. And while you still haven't come, I will follow you and I will scream at the top of my lungs how great you are because you are my savior. And 
And I know once again, like I prayed today, that man, each and every one of you comes in with something different. But church should be one of those places in which you finally get to be somewhat normal and go, God is my guide. No matter where I might find myself in life. That God loves me, that God takes care of me. And this is a place in which I can lay everything down on God's feet. Because as I look at today's sermon, <laughs> there's no special moment in this where there's an aha moment. It's really to kind of housekeeping things to help you guys see what our church is all about. And so as I'm singing this song, I begin to get worried, should I change <laughs> my sermon? But no, I'm not going to change my sermon. You guys can look at the back of your bulletin and see everything that we're going to go through today. We're going to look at where we're headed, but I want to make this incredibly clear that, I, that, that we as a church desire that God is far more important than us. That it is his name, not Glasgow Evangelical Church, not Seth Runner, not whatever other thing you want to put in front of God is not to be put in front of God. That God informs us and moves us to the point where that's how we get to sing that song. I didn't somehow muster it up. It all started with God creating absolutely everything and writing on my heart that this God is unbelievable and that there is no other God in which we can be saved. So there's my rant. Let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, as we just dive into this, I have, to admit, I have to admit I'm a little lost. Because God, I see hundreds of faces who are desiring to live for you. And I ask that your spirit would speak to each and every one of them today. And that when they walk out of this room or when they go about their, about their day, that they can scream from the top of their lungs or scream from a, a position of bowing that you are great. And that God, you are sending us out. And so, Lord, do we look at your church today? Would we see where we fit into everything? And would we give our lives to you? In your name we pray. Amen. So I was going to start out this sermon uh, with kind of where we ended last year in terms of finances, how much, uh, how awesome our church is and all of those things. And, and then I realized that then I would be making it about us. 
And I want to be able to come this morning and make it about where, where God is leading our church. And some of you may not know tons about our church, and some of you may be fully aware of what our church does and, and, and how we operate, but I just want to give this opportunity to go, hey, this is what we desire as a church, but also where are we moving forward, and how are we going to help people be moved forward. And so I want to start out right away with this, and it's going to be a little bit of uh, a, a lot of education, and then we're going to get into scripture and, and all of that. So the first thing that I want to start out with is, here's the deal, is church leadership. Um, our church is formed by basically four committees that run uh, how we, we look at things, and they are representations of you. They don't make decisions and then you as a church have to do them. No, they are in communication with you guys going, okay, what does our church look, uh, look at wanting to be a, part, uh, be a part of and, hey, how do we get that accomplished? And so there is, um, this isn't in really any more importance, though the council is kind of uh, what we would call um, the, the top tier of the leadership of our church. And all that means is this, is that the rest of the committees are amenable to that. And so when we kind of look at making decisions, we get to be able to say on the council whether something can or cannot happen based on, uh, based on theology uh, hey, what does the Bible say about this uh, based on, uh, well, finances, based on feasibility? Is this what our community wants to do of believers? Is this really what we see that God is leading us towards? And so, hey, the trustees might come to us and they may say, hey, we want to, um, we, we want to put an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the... Uh, in the parking lot, what do you guys think of that, right? Um, well, hey, let's look at that a little bit more and, and try to figure that out. The council is kind of the one that goes, well, do we have the money? Is a swimming pool what God is asking our church to do? Um, does it fit within the vision, mission, and goal of our church? And if so, great, we'll have a swimming pool. If not, mm, maybe not. Uh, you can put a swimming pool in my backyard. Great. Uh, next one is the pastor parish. Uh, if you're taking notes, that next line is the pastor parish. This is what the pastor parish is concerned about. The pastor parish is concerned about the spiritual. They simply only keep their mindset on the spiritual growth and nature of our church. They want to know that you guys are growing spiritually, and so they listen to all the conversations that they have with you, and then they also are meeting with us going, are you pastors where you spiritually need to be? They meet and they discuss with us and say, hey, man, we, we really think that you're missing this here with these people. Would you, with your congregation, the pastor and the parish, and would you help them to be able to figure things out? We're maybe missing some holes here. How about you do this? Hey, Seth, you're getting to be a little bit too much X, Y, and Z. And then I'll, I'll pray about it and I'll look at it and I'll go, okay. And they are, they are concerned about the spiritual growth of our church. And then it goes on to the trustees, if you're taking notes, the second um, little 
uh, line is the trustees. The trustees are completely concerned about everything that goes on property-wise. Insurance, they are concerned about keeping people safe. They are concerned about making sure that the building is safe for use, that the lights are kept on, that things are going on that we can meet here. That's no less important than the spiritual growth of the church because what they're trying to do is assist in the spiritual growth by giving people places and opportunities to be able to do that. And then there is this um, little committee that does a huge job, and, and their job is the budget committee. And they meet, and they look at it, and they go, how do we best take all of the resources that God has given us to use it to fund, man, uh, pastor's salaries, uh, ministries, how to, how to fund helping people to be a part of our church. It's no easy task. In fact, actually, if you want a quick number, $453,000 came into this church last year. Okay? That's not an easy task to be able to, to, be able to work through. And they try their best and uh, succeed a lot of the time to be able to go, hey, this is the best, this is where we think the best steward, stewardship for our money goes. But all those are great, and we can have all of those leaderships in our, leadership positions in our church. But we would be amiss if we don't have a purpose, if we don't have vision and a mission of where to go. They just simply are talking heads. And so God has really placed it upon uh, our hearts as some of the, well, actually, Brian, I, Breezy, some of your pastors and staff members to go, okay, so what really is the purpose of this church? And here's the purpose of our church. GEC, or Glasgow Evangelical Church, exists for the sole purpose that no one get left out of transforming experiences and relationships that connect us to God through Christ Jesus, and to each other. That's the whole purpose. If it becomes about a tennis match club or about getting the, the biggest and best things, we have missed out on what our purpose is. God has called us to exist so that we allow people to have transforming experiences and relationships. We want you to come on a Sunday morning and go, wait a second, I am becoming new. We're going to get down into that just a little bit more with our four R's, and so we'll get there. But next thing is this, is that I believe that the mission of Glasgow Evangelical Church is this, is that we're equipping people to live the gospel joyously. If the purpose is for you guys to have transforming experiences and relationships, then that means that everything we do needs to be equipping you to live the gospel joyously. Not as a duty, not as something you have to do, but as something you desire to do because you have met with God. And you've had a transformed experience in which you say, I want to live that gospel. I want to live it out so much in my life. 
And so that's the whole mission of the church is every, every time we meet, we want to be able to equip you. To be able to go on Monday morning and, or after a Bible study that you attend or any other event that you might be here at the church, that you would go, I am more equipped to follow Jesus than I was an hour ago. That's a really huge task. And we want to take that as seriously as we possibly can. And if we're here to equip you to live the gospel, I think there's some ground rules and visions of how we're going to do that. And so uh, there is that box in there of, of lots of words, if you will. But on the right-hand side, I'm sorry, on the left-hand side, top corner, I want you to write this in. I want you to write rooted. I want you to write rooted. And Tony, would you pull up Colossians 2.7 for me? Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow stronger in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. As Christ followers, we know that we must be rooted in the love of God through the grace that he has given to us through his son as we grow in wisdom character and obedience put even simpler there know be and do as we know who God is more and more and what he's done in our lives as we're rooted in him we will be who he's asking us to be and we will do what he's asking us to do it doesn't become a mystery we don't flounder around we don't try to go here or there but know when we're rooted in God we're going to know him. We're going to be what he's asking us to be, and we're going to do what he's asking us to do. And so, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. This isn't just being rooted in the church. This is being rooted in your relationship with God. This is spending time in scripture. This is spending time in prayer. This is spending time in worship. There's nothing new. But it is not having a shallowness, but it is being strong and rooted. And so my question to you today is, are you having processes in your life in which you are being rooted? Or is this your only time all week long? The next R that we want to look at is on the right-hand side, the top corner, is being real. Colossians 3, right after Colossians chapter 2, but Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says this, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this world, it seems so easy to want to cover things up, to just want to come and just be a, really a bystander, if you will. Just to take things in and go, man, I'm good. But in, in all reality, in the inner turmoil of us, it's not good. 
We are real people who understand our, our fallen nature that separates us from God. Through God, we receive grace, we live in grace, and we share God's love with one another. And as we know that people are dealing with real problems, we come alongside of them. We're a real, we desire to be a real church. That when somebody is hurting, all of us, in some way, care and want to be a part of it and want to help out? Are we praying for one another? Are we encouraging one another all the more? The next R that I would love our church to just grab a hold of just a little bit more is, well, not... I make it sound like we're not doing it, but the next one is relational. It's the bottom left corner. John 13, 34 through 35 says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. God has created us to be in community, and it is in community in which we find our ability to grow, learn, and apply God's word, give and receive encouragement, and have accountability and live truthfully. Back around, oh, I, I couldn't tell you because I'm not a great historian, but around Anywhere between 60 to 90 A.D., Rome was going through horrible, horrible plague. People were dying like crazy, and they were quarantined off huge sections of Rome. And Josephus, in one of his books, he's a, a Jewish historian. Uh, in his book, he writes, and there were these weird people. And they called themselves Christians, and they would run into these plague areas, and they would take care of the people who needed help. They would live with them and bandage them and bring them back to life. I don't know why they would sacrifice themselves so much. It seems like they are really weird people. When we are rooted in who... God is and who he's calling us to be and we are real about everybody is in this with us, our relationality gets a lot easier. We will go places in which we never thought we could go. We will care for people that we never thought we could care for. And we will do it all because we don't care about ourselves. We care about the relationship. And so we will answer the calls to the orphans and to the widows and to the homeless and to the strangers and to anybody that God brings across our path because we know that it is love that pushes us. Give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It starts here in church. Do you love one another here? And do we want the best? 
And the last one, uh, the last R on the right-hand side is reaching. Reaching. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Read it this way. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Glasgow, through Valley County, in Montana, and to the outer ends of the earth. We desire to be people who are reaching. There's a verse that we call the Great Commission that uh, Jesus gives to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You can leave that up there for a while, Tony. We are called to use our gifts and talents to be the church in which we are called to increase the kingdom of God. Understanding everything belongs to God and reacting by giving our time, talents, and treasures, we serve God and others with our spiritual gifts, passions, and experiences. This is what it means to be reaching not only within our, within our church, but even outside our church. There's a phrase that I, I think is interesting that has caught me off guard or a verse that has caught me off guard this week and it's, it's actually verse 20 because we really want to focus on verse 19, don't we? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We want to, as a church, bring tons of people in and have them be saved. Even had a baptism last week and we want people to be baptized and sometimes I think in my own mind, if there was one thing in which that maybe I have been missing or that I think that God is leading our church into in 2019 um, is this next verse. Because it's really easy to get bogged down with, well, look at all the people that are coming to church. Aren't we doing great? But um, there was one church that wrote a huge book. Uh, it was Willow Creek Church and, uh, down in Chicago, gigantic church. 36,000 people go to that church on a weekend. And uh, they had just done a huge 10-year initiative on getting people into small groups and getting them involved in church and volunteering and being on this team and that team and really just getting involved in, in, uh, in church more. And they kind of looked back and they kind of realized that, wait a second, I don't think our people are where they actually should be. In fact, actually, we've maybe created a monster here. And so they did a, a huge church-wide review, and it revealed that most of the people in all these small groups, they might be going to small groups, but they didn't enter into Bible reading anymore. They didn't really pray that much more. They didn't worship that much more. It had become one of those things where they just met at homes and had fun for an evening and maybe took on a topic, but they began to uh, have all this knowledge but don't use it. You see, it's kind of like this. We have a room that's right back here behind this stage. You, you can't see it, 
but it is a gigantic room. I, I'm pretty sure it's 100 feet by probably about 20 feet. And you know what that room what is? That room is all the leftover stuff and all the things that have been going on at this church that we don't have a place to put. So we put it up in there. We still have nails. I mean, I'm telling you, boxes and boxes of nails up there from when we built this church. We have two sinks up there. We have lots of decorations. We have, I counted it, we have seven Christmas trees up there. We have lots of uh, presents. We, we even have our church history. I, I moved it from over there and put it up there because I needed more room for church history because this church has been around for a really long time. But then we also have this room right behind this stage that has tons of cords that are outdated and old. We have, we have racks of machinery that doesn't work, but we can't throw it away. Well, I can't throw it away because I have a hard time throwing electronics away. I think that's what gets indicative of our lives in Christianity. We start out with this idea that it's amazing to make disciples and to bring people in, and we give them all this new information, and then it just gets stored in there, and then it gets lost. Brad and Jory do this amazing class called uh, Love and Respect on Sunday nights. Do you know how many times I've gone and looked at those tapes and watched those videos? And I have a huge problem with loving my wife well. Still. I think sometimes we get lost in the, this process of forgetting verse 20, which is teaching the disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Now, you would look at that and you'd go, well, wait a second. Isn't all those Bible studies that you went to commands? Well, yeah. But are we making sure that we, we've got it covered before we go to the next one? How many of you guys have been Christians for a really long time and still have a hard time praying in front of people? Or you don't know how to pray? Or how many of you guys hear when I say, wait a second, you guys pray out loud, you're like, oh, no thank you if that's what you do. I'm done, I'm out. I have a friend who I went to uh, his house for, uh, their house for dinner this week and it came time to pray. And usually what happens is if the, pre if the pastor is there, he gets the token nod to pray, right? And so instead, he just started praying. I said, well, thanks. He's like, he's like, oh, you think you're the most spiritual one in this house, huh? But I appreciated it because he was just like, no, God has called me to be the leader of my household, and I want to pray. Which I was like, awesome. That's because you've been in the word and looking at things. We don't, we don't have a huge problem of not being in the word. Man, there are people constantly coming up to me going, man, I read this. What do you think about this? 
but I don't want to get like an attic or a back hallway where nobody sees all the, I mean, I'm telling you, there's a whole crate of wires that I just, I don't want to untangle. I know that I should just throw it away, but I'm also like, oh, this might maybe be copper. I might get some money. I don't know. But I don't want us to get to the point of we've lost this next time where it's teaching them, these new disciples, to obey all the commands. And so our 2019 focus, last year our focus was on children's ministry and really just going, okay, where are we at in children's ministry and and, uh, how do we come alongside children's ministry and put the most resources and efforts. I'm not saying we're done with that. Okay, that's not what I'm saying at all. We are still working through the process and we've got some, uh, we're doing interviews for um, that position and all of that sort of stuff. But here's the goal of 2019 is I think this, is spiritual transformation. I'm not talking about spiritual knowledge. I'm not talking about spiritual doing. We're not going to have more things for you guys to do in our church. We're not going to have Bible quizzes for you guys to start being a part of so you know all that sort of stuff. But we want to come back to some of the basics. And what if you do have a hard time praying for those, for people around you? What if you don't know what God has equipped you with to be a part of this church? What if you are just floundering and you need something just to hold on to? Do we, do we have something like that for you? We've noticed a huge You've noticed a huge uh, completely lost where I was going. I think I think for spiritual transformation is that yeah, that's where I was going right there. There's my notes. Uh, is you might have seen that we don't put tons of like Bible studies here to be a part of or small groups to be a part of. And that's partly because I don't think that we were called to do that quite yet. I think we're called this year to look into what spiritual formation is. And I say you guys a lot, and what I really mean is us. So if you've heard me say that, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not trying to get there. But this is my concern about spiritual formation, is we're just going to slap new labels on them. Activities like, hey, just worship more, or hey, why don't you read the word more, or hey, how about you be a part of a community group? Hey, how's your quiet time? I don't want this to be a new buzzword. I want this to be going back to, hey, are we helping you grow spiritually? And we need your feedback for that. Hey, I'm, I'm missing this in my life. I, you, you may get it and you may not. I don't know. But man, I would really like you, Seth, to look into this. I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with that? And so we, we care enough to go, hey, are there, are there people in our church who can be better teachers and and maybe we'll we can put on (laughs) this is how we pray Uh, i keep coming back to prayer maybe i need it um like to work on it 
This is not a call to more religion. This is a call to, hey, let's look at our inner selves and go, how are we working towards holiness? Galatians 4.9 says this. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. That's what we want. We don't want to look like Seth Runner with a little bit of Jesus on the side. No, we, we want to be Jesus to people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old person is gone and a new life has begun. I'm telling you, this is something that seems to be the easiest verse and the hardest to live. I am constantly taking off my old self, putting the new self on, and then taking the new self off and putting the old self because I like the old self things a little bit better. I want, I want the new life that God has given us. Not just my life and. In Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's what we desire. That's what I desire for you, is that when you would come anytime and we're trying to equip you to live the gospel joyously, I want to help you be transformed people from the old self to the new creation that God has saved us from, has said that he would go to the cross for. I don't, I don't want you to be a better American. I want you to be a new creation. And so this year, we, we really want to strive for that. One of the first ways we're going to do that is as soon as we get done with uh, this crazy busy series is we're going to spend the rest of the year in the book of Acts. And so you can start reading that with us. But we're going to take on the whole book of Acts, which is the starting of the church after Jesus left. I'm not going to take like one piece of scripture, but um, Acts is 28 chapters long. And so we're, we're just going to take that a bit by bit and go, how did God work in the lives of people as they were trying to follow him the best way possible? And I'm a little scared just to let you know, because one of the first ones in there is the Holy Spirit. And I'm still trying to figure that out, right? So uh, would you pray with me? And then I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. God, would we desire your transformation in our lives? Would we desire to be rooted and real and relational and reaching? Would we, de would we desire your commands to be in our lives to change the way we look at the world? That it would be about your kingdom and it would be about living your gospel joyously. And that God, that we would take on the purpose of helping people transform their lives. So God, would you help us not to just do more, but would you help us to be transformed? And I, 
I have to admit, God, I still don't know what that looks like, and I'm waiting for you. And so, God, would you teach and guide and direct every single one of us? And I thank you for the people that are in the room right now. I thank you that they have desired to be a part of this church. God, they are an amazing people, and I ask that you would dive into their hearts and that you would fill them with your hope and your joy and your mercy and your grace and your peace and your love so that they continue to have the energy to keep striving for you. Thank you for every single one of them and all the kids in the back, Lord. May we serve you well. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I really like when we get a chance to um, express how the, the church is put together and runs. And uh, the, the church council meets the second Monday every month, um, kind of the dining area over there. And a couple months ago, uh, Seth brought a, a question kind of relating to today. And he said, what is, what is the biggest concern we have as a council? And after much discussion, it can kind of be boiled down, and I hate to do this, but I don't want to give you every single answer that was given, and to boil it down, it was relationship with Christ and others. That's what we came to the conclusion. The most important thing of the council is to encourage relationship with Christ and others. And so then Seth's next question was a harder one. It said, what's the biggest problem we're facing today? And after much discussion, um, it was the connection between our heart, our spiritual walk, and our hands and feet. The biggest problem your church council, not Seth and I, the church council sees in our church today is taking words on the Bible and putting them action into our hands and feet. And so when we talk about spiritual formation, we're talking about just that. We're talking about taking this knowledge that we have of Christ and, and God's word and, and, and initiating movement through the Holy Spirit. Only God can do that in your life. So how as a church do we do that? There's not, nothing we can say up here that will change that. Besides, listen to God. And so we're gonna spend this year figuring out different ways to say, listen, listen to God in different ways. And hopefully we all can, can be inspired through the Holy Spirit to take this action in our lives. I wanna give you a little insight as well. We have a student leadership team that meets every Tuesday. And after our meeting on Monday, I went and asked the student leadership. And there's not as many of us on the student leadership as there is on the council, so the, the answers came a little bit quicker. But without giving them the answers, they came up with the exact same two answers. The most important thing is relationship with Christ and the relationship with those around us. And the biggest problem we have right now is a lot of people say that they're believers, but their hands and feet aren't doing that Monday through Saturday, maybe even Sunday right after church. The biggest problem our student leaders have is that a lot of their friends that are coming to youth group don't live that in school. Really quickly, Francis Chan has a funny story and he says, uh, it's like if I told 
my daughter to go clean her room. And she came back to me a week later and said, I had two Bible studies and I studied in the Greek, clean your room. Dad, I'm so versed in what you said to me. It's amazing. What well, did you clean your room? We're working on it. We're working on it. Let's not look at these verses here, Colossians 2, 7, Colossians 3, 9, and 10, John 13, 34 through 35, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Acts 1, 8. Let's not look at these verses and study and study and study and never move. I'm excited for this upcoming year. It's amazing how God, in, in nine years of ministry and being a pastor, every year I can be more excited than the last. So let's be excited for movement, for spiritual transformation, not in my life, but in our lives. And watch what happens to this community around us, Judea, Samaria, and the outer ends of the earth. The meeting that we're gonna have over here, um, Seth kind of misspoke. You said if you're uh, members, you can come to that. You don't have to be an official church member to attend this meeting. Uh, the only thing that members are different than just someone that isn't a member is that members can vote. Everyone else can have input and, and, and be a part of this meeting. So if you'd like to be there and, and understand finances and vote on who's on these teams at the top of the back of your bulletin, by all means, come and join us. Uh, Seth, how long do you need? About 15 minutes? So we're going to start at 1140? 1140. 11.35, nine minutes from now. So let's pray, and uh, thank you all for being a part of, of GEC in the body of Christ. Dear Lord, uh, I'm not going to say anything more than, than what Seth has already talked to you about in front of all these people. Lord, may we be inspired by you, um, encouraged by each other. Lord, may we follow our personal calling on our lives, and that may look different in each one of our lives. But Lord, that's why you gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we may be inspired and called to do the unique thing that you have made us a masterpiece to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.